one. Hello, and welcome to the Stabler and Friends podcast. I'm your host, Stabler, and today I got my friend and draft expert, Mike Middleton. How you doing, Mike? Doing good. Glad to be here. Good, man. Yeah. Um, this is our, is this our third year doing this? I think so, yeah. Third year, and it's, I feel like it's getting a little better each year. I'm pretty excited. Uh, uh, so what we're going to do today is we're going to go through the entire first round of the mock draft. Mike's had one picked out. Uh, he'll give us players, give us... Um, also, what other options there might be at that position. Um, Mike, how, how's it looking? How's the draft looking this year? Yeah, it's a really strange year. You know, definitely the most difficult draft that I've ever done. You had the pandemic and how that impacted the season. You had opt-outs. And then even the post-season process of not having a, a combine. Um, teams can't do in-person meetings. They're doing stuff over Zoom. Um, so there's less information that's being leaked out there. And then uh, players that had medical issues, usually they can be checked out by the team's official doctors. And instead it's been, you know, separate from that, like third party. So there's a lot less information out there and it's, it's harder to make some of the calls. Yeah, a lot, a lot more unknowns. Um, what are some of the tough calls that you're looking at? So I think that obviously the draft starts pretty much at, at pick three on what the 49ers are going to do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mac Jones and Trey Lance are being mentioned as the two that they've narrowed it down to. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly when they made the deal, they were prepared to take Mac Jones, but they were open to still doing their work on the other quarterback prospects. And so it's a matter of, are they sticking with the initial reason they made the trade or have they fallen in love with, with Trey Lance enough that they've, they've changed their mind. Yeah. So we'll get to that one in just a little bit. Um, I was yeah. also thinking a lot plays into it is uh your Denver Broncos trading for Teddy Bridgewater. Right. Maybe they know something that their quarterback might not be there. So I'm be there is a possibility, or it could even mean the opposite that they think their guy might be there and they want uh, Bridgewater to be that bridge quarterback to play this year while a guy sits behind him and gets ready. Uh, and then so, what would happen? What would happen with Drew Locke? I imagine they would shop him at that okay. point. I mean, you could go into the into training camp with all three, but at some point, uh, if they did draft a guy, you've pretty much said Drew Locke's not the quarterback of the future. Yeah. So see what you can get for him in a trade. Okay, cool. Uh, looks like you have a few more, few more tough calls. Yeah. So the Bengals at five, I think, is really interesting because you need to protect Joe Burrow. You saw him go down with injury last season, but at the same time, uh, Jamar Chase potentially being there who just absolutely lit everybody up with Joe Burrow as his quarterback. Um, And I saw an interview with Joe Burrow this week where he talked about the biggest weakness in the Bengals offense was their deep passing game. Mm -hmm. And Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow were phenomenal in the deep passing game when they played together at LSU. So yeah, it's a deep tackle class. And I know we'll kind of go into the strengths and weaknesses later. Mm -hmm. You might be able to get a tackle in the second round. I'd have a hard time passing up Jamar Chase there. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I know Miami's kind of a weird pick right there. Do we stay in that spot? Do we move back from six? But I think, yeah, if Chase or Pitts is there, you gotta, you gotta take one of them. You gotta stay. Yeah. So again, another pivot point, if Pitts or Chase is there at six, I think Miami stays. Um, If not, there's some options where you might be able to get the top tackle in the draft, whether you think that's Sewell or Slater, Mm -hmm. you've got those Bama receivers but it's a great spot that if you like those four players, you can move back a few spots. You're still going to get one. Still get somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, so six through nine, it looks like, yeah, it's going to be uh, some trades could possibly be happening there. That seems to be the, the spots that people are targeting. Yeah. Whether it's for quarterback, wide receiver, tackle. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of, kind of the spot where there's going to be movement. Now, when we get into the mock draft, do you have trades in there? Like that you mocked in? I did too. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's hard to project trades and so much can, can change, but I, I did project two in this one. Cool. And then you were talking earlier, you said uh, some of the deepest position is, is tackle. Yeah. So I think offensive yeah. tackle, um, you got a couple guys that are, are potential top 10 picks with Sewell and Slater, but then the depth is great to where second round, third round, fourth round, you're still going to be able to get guys that could be future starters. Okay. Uh, Quarterback, uh, uh, wide receiver, corner. Those are also the other strengths. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of why I'm getting torn. Like uh, most of my focus, I don't get in too much depth as you do, but most of my focus is what are the Dolphins going to do? What are the Lions going to do? What are the big headlines? And then sometimes what are the Browns going to do, you know? But right. uh, where are the wide receivers so deep with the Dolphins? It's like, yeah, Chase or Smith or somebody's awesome at that early spot, but is there something better that we could get early on or would it be worth to just drop back and then just take the depth? Cause those are all the needed positions that we need. It looks like as tackle receiver, not necessarily corner, but yeah. Um, uh, how about the, what are the weaker positions in the draft? What's kind of lacking there? Yeah. So defensive line is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one guy, uh, Christian Barrymore from Bama who could be a first rounder. He's really the only guy in the conversation as far as, you know, the interior defensive line. Yeah. Uh, really weak tight end outside of Kyle Pitts. Uh, it's a weak class uh, running back. Again, you've got kind of the big three to four guys that should go in the first and second round. Mm-hmm. And then it, it drops off quite a bit after that. You're, you're not seeing as many of the, the fourth, fifth round guys that are going to come in and be an Alvin Kamara, you know, c- contributor. Yeah. Hey, real quick, uh, I'm yeah. going to put you on the spot here. Give me yes. your, your personal for, in order for best of the running backs of the top tier running backs. Who would you go with? I would put uh, ATN first. <clears throat> I just think more explosive, uh, but also very versatile. I have Najee Harris at two. Again, a three-down player, super versatile, just doesn't have that top-end speed that ATN has. Yeah, um, I might actually like him more, but I, I think ATN just has a little bit more tools. Um, Javante Williams from North Carolina, three. Michael okay. Carter from North Carolina, four. Oh, two guests from North Carolina. Yeah, they had an insane backfield. I remember watching them a little bit, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that they were that that high on the tier. I didn't even notice that. So yeah. that's cool. Um, cool, man. Uh, what are your two trades that you got? Just kind of a heads up. Okay, so I have uh, the Chargers moving up with Detroit, getting into the top ten okay. to take uh, Penny Sewell, the, the tackle reuniting him with Justin Herbert, you know, the Oregon connection. Yeah. Uh, I think you made the investment in Herbert. Now they got to build that line up to protect him. And I have new England uh, coming up with Carolina. Okay, cool. Um, you got any other uh, last minute rumors? I mean, we're recording We're it's, it's almost one o'clock here. So like we got yeah. drafted in, in five hours. So yeah, it's crazy. Any, any updates? So there's, there's been a few things. Uh, the Patriots, I have them trading up in this mock draft. It's pretty clear that they're looking for a quarterback in some fashion. You know, they got Cam Newton on a one-year deal as, you know, just in case. But they've been reportedly talking with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo on the parameters of a new contract if he's traded back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously going to be available with the 49ers taking a quarterback at three. Yeah. Uh, and then today, the big news has been the Saints are trying to get into the top 10. And they're, they're 28. So that's a huge jump. Um, reportedly, it's for a corner. So it'd probably be like a pass retain. Oh, wow. Um, because Dallas at 10 and the Eagles at 12 are both looking at corners. So yeah. the Saints might be trying to jump them to get their top guy. Speaking of Patrick Sertain, he's yeah. uh, Patrick Sertain the second or junior, yes. correct? Yes. Um, anyways, I wanted to bust out this. This is my Dolphins jersey that I got when I was in high school. Very 23, nice. Patrick Sertan. Yeah. I'm wishing it into existence tonight. <laughs> I want to re- be able to wear this and have it not look old school anymore. <laughs> Bring back the, that uh, out of the closet. So. The Sertan and Madison combo at corner. I loved watching those guys play. So. Um, yeah, Marion over the top. And yeah, it was a. Those are the good old days. So that's what I like about that's what I like about this draft. It gives us hope, you know. So uh, before we get into this, uh, into Mike's mock draft, just want to let you all know that are listening um, that these mocks they are impossible to get every pick right. They're pretty impossible to get most picks right. Um, so what this podcast special is about is helping you be more aware of who these guys are, what they can bring to your team, and hopefully it, it enhances your experience when you're watching the draft. I, I know that this gets me in the mood for it a little more. It gets me more knowledgeable when I see, oh, this guy's slipping. We picked him to go up here. Why is he dropping so far? Like, just It does a lot for me, and I hope it does the same for you. Um, 
the draft, I mean, it's, it's hope for not just the fans, but for, I mean, the franchises and the young players being drafted who are about to change their lives forever, getting, getting paid, getting out of whatever troubles they're in, in life. And it's, it's a fresh new start for them. Really exciting things. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into the mock draft. Jacksonville, you are on the clock at number one. Who you got, Mike? So no surprises here. Um, it's kind of been the anointed one for a few years now. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, a uh, complete player. He's got a great arm, great pocket presence, reads the field well, athletic, um, good accuracy to every level so he's not the most accurate guy in the class but he's good at, at, at each area um very complete it's hard to find flaws in his game uh, he's got the the high floor and high ceiling um he's you know like i said he's been the presumptive top pick for a couple of years and nothing has happened to change that um so you know regarded as a generational prospect the comp i have for him is andrew luck so if people remember when luck was coming out, you know, before he had all the injuries and everything, he was that complete player. He was athletic. He had all the passing stuff. They said he was the best prospect since Elway. Lawrence is kind of in that, that mold. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've ever since he beat up Bama in that national championship game, when I think he was a, was he a freshman or freshman, something? freshman. Yeah. It's like, he knew this guy was special. They've talked about him for the last few years. He's all he does is win and yep. he makes it look easy. Sometimes it, bothers me because he looks like he's so effortlessly doing things like it seems like he doesn't care but really i can tell like from his interview yeah. mentally he has, he has that just really calm demeanor almost nonchalant like he doesn't get rattled but he's just so good it's it's like it's just a natural yeah for sure um so easy pick jacksonville with the urban myers their new coach they're getting a new fresh start got a good running yeah. back game uh they could they could start to build something i feel like i feel yeah. like this is a good start for them uh Number two, we're going to the New York Jets, and I got your pick up here. I got, I know it's everybody's pick right now. I'm, I'm still not sold, Mikey. You got to sell me on Zach Wilson here, Mr. BYU. Yeah, so he's not my quarterback, too, but he seems to be the, the consensus that's who the Jets are locked in on. Um, I have him at three or four, kind of depending on where uh, Trey Lance ends up, and we'll, we'll get into that when that pick comes up, but um, – uh, Zach Wilson has great arm talent and what stands out is the way that he's able to make throws off platform um, and throw from various angles. So the things that you see are like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and a, a guy that I think is a great comp is a, a Tony Romo where he's just able to kind of improvise, you know, throw in small windows or throw sidearm or, or do different things, make plays off script and outside of the pocket. That's where Zach Wilson stands out. That's so funny to me. It's like five years ago, five, six years ago, like if you were an off-platform thrower, if you're throwing mm -hmm. sidearm, if you're improvising like that all the time, like it was looked down upon. Coaches yeah, didn't want it, that. It was a knock. Yeah. And now it's now it's like the strength ever since Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and everybody else mm -hmm. is kind of just getting there and improvising. Um I'm I'm more of a traditionalist still, I think. I I do like uh I guess I guess you just need somebody complete now, but I do like pocket first. Right. And uh, improvise, but that's that's hard. Not everybody can do it. It's easier said than done, you know, and for sure. Uh, we'll see how he does. Uh, I just my my only beef with him, really, like he looks good. Like I watch his highlights. He looks great. Um, the year before, not this last year, but the season before when he played uh, bigger schools, he got eaten up. Like, I'm sure like, yeah, you can grow, you can progress and things like that. But I didn't really feel like we got enough uh, competition, competitive games defensively i mean right. coastal carolina was his toughest game and and he didn't do great till the end which he did bring him back so i don't know i'm i'm torn i'm i'm biased against byu first of all so i'm trying not to be but i just i just don't see it but yeah i, mean, you know. I hope i hope i don't see, i hope nobody sees it eventually because i'm i'm a jets right. well being right <laughs> yeah but i know double whammy for you uh division rival and it's the you know byu versus utah so yeah it feels it there. feels better it feels better when they go to a team you don't you dislike from college mm -hmm. to a team it's you it. dislike in the pros then it makes it easy to root against yeah. yeah i remember a few years ago the dolphins drafted uh was his name john beck from byu mm -hmm. yeah. uh, killed me i started getting all the byu fans on my bandwagon i'm like nah right. I, 
let's yeah. just have a few bad seasons and get him out of here. <laughs> yeah. For me, my all-time worst, because I'm a Michigan fan as well, was Charles Woodson, who was my favorite player, went to the Raiders. I was like, well, can't root for you until you go to the Packers late in your career. So, yeah. Awesome. But no, so, yeah, to your point, um, you know, he didn't face much pressure. Uh, that BYU offensive line is extremely good, especially compared to the level of competition that they were playing. And he's kind of this year's Joe Burrow in that no one was talking about him a year ago as being a top prospect. And now he's, he's shot up this far. So um, personally, I still like the potential of Lawrence Fields and Lance Moore, but I'm pretty confident Wilson will be the picket too. Cool. Um, number three, this is going to be our, our tough one here. San Francisco, yeah. they moved, they traded up with, uh, with Miami here, or I guess technically Philadelphia, right? Or how did that trade work out? Do you yeah, so it, it was Miami at three. Yeah. Um, Miami moved back to 12, and then Miami moved back up to six with Philly. Yes, okay, there we go. So yeah. so San Francisco's traded up. They think they know who their quarterback is. What's Who is it? What's going on here? Yeah, so this is tough because a lot of the people that are hearing stuff from the 49ers organization think it's Mac Jones, that that's who Kyle Shanahan likes. It reminds him of players that he's had success with in the past, you know, Kirk Cousins, Matt Schaub. And while those names aren't all that exciting, they they run his system. They know what to do. They, they make the plays on schedule. They stick to the script type thing. Yeah. Um, I would not take Mac Jones at this spot. I wouldn't take Mac Jones in the top 10, personally. I don't think um, I would either. And I'm a Bama yeah. And, you know, I would draft Justin Fields here. Um, but if I'm choosing between Mac Jones and Trey Lance, I take Trey Lance. But I just think that if Kyle Shanahan was willing to give up that much to move up and it was with Mac Jones in mind and saying, you know, we'll still look at all the quarterback options, but we're comfortable taking Mac Jones. I don't think he's going to change his mind now. I think he's going to, he, you make the move, you have a guy in mind. I think he sticks it with his guns and goes Mac Jones. Go on Mac Jones. Okay. So uh, with Mac on the, the analysis, he played on a great team in a great system. I mean, ridiculous, the kind of receivers that Bama puts out every year um, and the offensive line and the running backs and, and everything. So how much of his success is a product of that environment? Mm-hmm. Um, he tested better at his pro day athletically than was expected because when you watch him play, you don't really see the athleticism. Yeah. And so that's a bit of a question mark, you know, Hey, you can run fast at your pro day, but you don't really use that in your game. Yeah, um, sure. So smart, accurate quarterback can run the offense, keep everything on schedule. He just has average arm strength, nothing great there, but he's actually a really good deep ball thrower because of the anticipation and touch that he can put on it. But when you look at guys like Lawrence Fields, Lance and Wilson, who just have cannons, you know, he doesn't stack up to them physically. Uh, so he's a scheme fit for the West Coast offense, which the 49ers run. Um, but he's got off-field concerns, too. He's had a couple of DUIs. There's lots of pictures of the Mac partying, you know, drunk with his shirt off. and Yeah. You know, but he's my QB5. I, I think the Niners take him to three. Okay. That's really, really fair, I guess. I'm not I'm not excited. I feel bad for Niners fans right now. I mean, it could pan yeah. out, but... But tonight, if you're a Niners fan and that happens, you're not going to be that excited. I can't imagine. No, I, I can't either. Um, and just real quick, the comp I have on is like a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins type player. Oh, nice. Very so. nice. Cool. Um, now we're getting into, so first three picks, all quarterbacks. Yes. Now we're uh, getting into uh, Atlanta. And what, what's their situation? I mean, they got Matt Ryan. Are they looking for quarterback as well? So this is a really, really interesting spot in the draft. For one, you've got Matt Ryan on a contract that's going to be hard to get out of for the next few years. So you could take a guy and try to develop him and groom him, but you're still kind of stuck with Matt Ryan for at least the next two seasons. Um, They also have a terrible cap situation. They've got less than a million dollars in cap space. And if they stay where they're at with all their picks, they need about 11 million to sign this draft class. So they've got to come up with a ton of cap space just to sign their, their, their guys. So it makes sense that they might be looking to shop and trade out of this pick. Obviously the further down the draft you go, the rookie pay scale, it's a smaller contract. Right. Ultimately though, if they stay there, um, 
Kyle Pitts is just a phenomenal prospect. Um, one of the best, if not the best tight end prospect I've ever seen. Um, he could be a wide receiver full time and he'd be the top receiver in the class. He, he's elite. Um, but because of his size and everything, you can put him in the slot. You can line him up in line as a tight end. Um, he can move moved all around the, the formation, create mismatches. Uh, he's got the size, size, speed, strength, length, route running. Um, considered a five-tool prospect, which is the only one in the draft. Like even Jamar Chase, he wouldn't quite have the size to be the five-tool. You know, so this this is like the premier receiving threat in the draft. Yeah, uh, he's got Hall of Fame potential. Obviously, you don't want to put too much on a, a rookie, but just looking at his skill set and how good he should be just right out of the gate. Um, so he's not quite the level of blocker as like a, a George Kittle or a TJ Hawkinson when they came out, but he's still a good blocker. He's competitive. You know, he, he puts in the effort, um, but he's, he's such a good prospect and he's probably the safest pick in the whole draft. So ultimately I think Atlanta stays, takes him. Um, but if a quarterback is taken here, it would be the first time in history that quarterbacks have gone one, two, three, four. So oh, wow. just worth noting. Thank yeah, it might be some history to be made tonight. I think, man, uh, it's it's crazy how how big the tight end is now. The position. I mean, you look at every Super Bowl champion recently; they've all had an elite tight end. You know, yeah. Um, even the Final Four in the playoffs last year all had good tight ends. So, right. uh, wide receivers. I mean, there are some that are much higher tier than others, but it seems like you can fill in some other players here. You know, here and there, like. A, I don't know, like a Terry McLaurin or something like that, you know, right. Yeah. He's lower, lower pick, but can still be an elite receiver. But um, yeah, I just think tight end is so special. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, Moving down to number five, Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. So this is one that we talked about where you've got uh, your pick of the offensive tackles, but you also have Joe Burrow's former teammate, Jamar Chase sitting there. And I think picking at the top of the second round, you can get a tackle there that can come in. And if they're not starting right away, they could start within a year. Um, but it's harder to replicate someone as good as Jamar Chase and someone who already has that built-in chemistry with your young quarterback. So I have them taking Jamar Chase. Uh, another breakdown on him, he can win with strength or speed. Um, he's versatile. He's dangerous with the ball in his hands. He opted out of this last season, but in the 2019 season, uh, he had 84 catches, 20 touchdowns, averaged 21 yards per catch. So like I said, that deep passing game that uh, Cincinnati's been missing, he fixes that basically. Uh, he was only 19 when he was doing that. So the sky's still the limit on him. Uh, I think he could become one of the best receivers in the league. Uh, I think he's a better prospect than any of the wideouts last year. And I loved last year's receiver class. And a lot of them showed out as rookies. So I think that just speaks to how highly this guy's touted. Um, if you're looking for a knock, he's not super shifty, but he's a very good route runner. So he's able to kind of make up for that. So you probably want to line him up more outside than in the slot, but he is versatile enough that you can move him around either way. Well, I'm hope I'm hoping that's not their pick because uh, Miami Dolphins right. are number six right after. Yes. Uh, so I wanted Pitts. I wanted Chase. Mm -hmm. Who are my Miami Dolphins getting in your mock? Yeah, so this is another really interesting spot because I think, like you said, if Chase or Pitts is there, Miami should stay and take one of those guys. If they're gone, they have a decision to make. Um, they could stay and take Sewell if that's the guy that they like, um, or they could take one of those Bama receivers, or they can move back and still probably get one of those guys. So in this situation, I would be trying to move back you know, maybe two spots, three spots if I'm Miami. Mm -hmm. But in this mock, I have them taking uh, Jalen Waddle, which there's reports that they really like Waddle. Um, uh, most explosive receiver in the draft, elite speed. Uh, he's another one of those movable chess pieces that can play outside in the slot or you can line up in the backfield and do different things with him. Uh, game breaker. So the biggest knock on him is that, you know, playing at a stacked team at Bama, he didn't get a lot of opportunities early on. And then when it finally was his turn, you know, after, you know, Judy and Ruggs were gone, he got injured. 
So he only has 971 career snaps. So you got a bit of a projection, but his his tools, he's, you know, a Percy Harvin, Tyreek Hill type of talent. Yeah, see, my, my thing is, is like he did have that little bit of what he's shown. Mm-hmm. But when he was playing, it seemed like he was he was the number one go to and it seemed like nobody could touch him. And yeah. I, I mean, Smith was still great. It was nice to have both of them. But it seemed like Waddle to me was up here to Smith down here. And exactly. then the, then he got hurt and Smith stepped Took up over. his game. Yeah. And then the championship game, uh, they just looked like even to me, basically, until I mean, like, I mean, granted, Waddle was still a little shaken up, might not shouldn't have played. But I do like to see that he he decided to play instead. Yeah, yeah um, did what he could. So and yeah. he, he looked he looked sharp until I mean, he was hobbling a little bit, but they're like mm-hmm. when the plays were going, he looked good. So so yeah. I'm still I'm still high on Waddle. I'd be OK with that pick right there. Um, number seven. Well, it would be on Detroit, but like you said earlier, you have uh, the Chargers trading up. Yeah. Um, Detroit could also make this pick if they stayed. They could use this player. Um, but the word is that the, the Chargers are really trying to get one of the top tackles. So Penny Sewell is who I have going here. Uh, Oregon teammate of Justin Herbert, generally considered the top tackle, though you know some have a Sean Slater ahead of him. He's got great movement skills for someone that's 330 pounds, uh, powerful. Um, he can drive block. He's got his anchor. He's tough and competitive. So he's got a, a really high floor. One of the knocks on him is that he didn't face a lot of premium pass rushers in the Pac-12. So they think he's a little untested. Uh, and so he might not live up to that generational tackle prospect that he, the label that people were putting on him in 2019 as being the next, you know, Orlando Pace, Joe Thomas but he should still be a really good player for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And you're telling me uh, his comp was uh, Laramie Tunsil. I think it's a pretty good comp. Yeah. Okay. I liked Laramie. Yeah. He, did, he did a lot for the dolphins, not just on the field, he, but that he did. Then got you all the, the rewards <laughs> of sending him out of town. There are a lot of picks in these next few drafts. Thanks to that Laramie Tunsil trade and port management yeah. by the Houston Texans. Yes. <laughs> right. Cool. Um, Still a few quarterbacks out there. Yes. Moving to number eight, which is Carolina, who just traded away Teddy Bridgewater. But you have New England trading up here. Yes. So this is a spot where if Carolina stays, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a quarterback, even though they just traded for Sam Darnold. Um, You've got two years left on, on Darnold still if they pick up his fifth year option. So if you wanted to develop a, a guy that's a little raw, you could still take him here. But I think this will be a spot that teams are looking to trade up maybe in front of Denver to get a quarterback. And I think New England is a good situation. They've got Cam Newton for one year. Trey Lance is a fairly similar player to Cam Newton. Uh, so he could take that one year learning behind Cam and take over the reins the, the season after. Uh, so he's got a rocket arm. Uh, he's built like a tight end, but then super athletic. Uh, yeah, he's 20, 6'4", 227. That's, yeah. That's a big boy. It is. Uh, and in 2019, he didn't throw a single interception, which was his only full season. Uh, so, you know, that's one of the knocks. He only has 18 career starts. Uh, but he only averaged 18 passing attempts per game as well. So you kind of have a small sample size. Uh, and his accuracy does need work is something that is not a strength. Um, he played against weak competition. Playing at North Dakota State is kind of similar to playing at Bama. Like, the, you've got NFL players on that roster, and they're so much better than everyone that he's going against. Mm-hmm. Um, so he may need to sit a year before starting. But one of the reasons why he's such a highly regarded prospect is he's being considered the smartest quarterback in the class. They say that, like, you get him on the board, and he's just super, super football smart uh, so if he hits on his upside he could be the best quarterback in the whole class potentially even better than trevor lawrence but he also has the longest way to go so it's a bigger risk gotcha. yeah you said he's uh, you mentioned he's uh, one been recorded as the smartest in the draft um i also heard zach wilson that was a big positive for him is um he has somewhat of a sean mcveigh type picture memory the photographic um, memory photographic yeah. memory picture memory um yeah. And uh, they're asking him, okay, what happened in the third quarter against Coastal Carolina on this play? And he could tell you right away. So, I mean, that's good to have that memory and be able to see the defenses. So, so I forgot to mention they, that earlier. They say the same thing about Pat Mahomes. 
really has that that memory and it's something that uh peyton manning was well known for that amazing recall of just obscure down and distances and what someone was lined up in yeah. so that goes a long way yeah i saw a couple highlights of trey lance here um he's a big boy he's bigger than i thought i i didn't realize that when i was watching the highlights he didn't look too like overpowering to me but yeah. i watched a play and he runs into the line and pushes it forward like five yards yeah. but the thing that scared the hell out of me if he was on my team is <laughs> he's going head in with his helmet I mean, that's division two, baby. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's, you can get away with that. But if you get <laughs> head to head with a linebacker in the NFL, you're going to be possibly out for a year to career. You know? Right. So Absolutely. Gotta, I think where you're talking about benching him and letting him grow, that's mm-hmm. something that they'll definitely have to work on. Cause you don't want to take away, you don't want to take away what makes them special, but at the same time you want them, their specialness to be on the field. So. Right. And I think that's one of the other reasons why, when it came down to it, I put Mac Jones at three because I think San Francisco could get Mac Jones starting this year and be okay. I think you want Trey to sit a little bit. And so the, with the uh, Patriots situation where you got Cam Newton there, it gives you time for him to learn the offense where you can maybe train some of the bad habits. Like you said, lowering your head and running into the defense, not great. So maybe work on that. But uh, yeah, I put Cam Newton and Josh Allen as comps for um, Trey Lance. Same kind of athleticism. Good class to be in, and they did they did have some growing pains as well. So yeah, so they work it out. Uh, but they're doing great now. Um, moving on to your number nine, it's your Denver Broncos. Yes. I think I know how you made this mock draft these now. So because you got your boy Justin Fields followed to you all the way down to nine. Justin yeah. Fields from Ohio State. And. I'll put in a little note here that there's a lot of rumors that New England is trying to trade up to the eight spot or the seven spot for Justin Fields. And just my knowledge of New England, I don't think they would tip their hand like that. I think if they're moving up, they may want you to think it's for a certain player and then they go another direction. And so that's one of the reasons why I put Lance there. But if uh, they were to move up and take Fields, I could see Denver then taking Trey Lance with this pick. So I think the, the eight and nine is where those two players could go. Just the order might be swapped. You feel good with either of those? I do. Um, again, I think I could get Justin Fields in my lineup sooner, probably, but they both have great upside. And with the Broncos making that trade for Bridgewater, I think that might have actually been because they like one of these quarterbacks and think we need him to just sit a little bit and Bridgewater one year left on his deal. Literally Bridgewater is a bridge yeah. to, to get us to the, the next guy, but keeps us in the, the playoff contention so that our, our coaching staff doesn't get fired. Smart. Good strategy. So I think that that may be the way that they're looking, but it's also a spot where if a guy that they like is gone, say Mac Jones is on the board right here at nine and the Redskins want to move up or the bears want to move up or the Patriots didn't move up before they want to move up. Denver could very easily trade out of this spot. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, but, a, lot, a lot of options for you. Yeah. Uh, if they kept the pick and if Justin Fields is on the board, I think they will draft him. Uh, he's my QB two in the class. Uh, I've had a hard time understanding why he's fallen. I don't get it either. If you kind of follow, you know, this is going back four-ish years now, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, both from Georgia, they were number one and number two consensus prospects coming out of Georgia and in the nation coming out of high school. They both went to the Elite 11 camp. They finished number one and number two. Fields won that competition. They've always been kind of tied to, to each other as 1A, 1B. I haven't seen anything that should knock Fields down that list for me. I think he's still right up there with Trevor Lawrence as the best quarterbacks in this class. Um, He's the most accurate QB in the class. Plus he has a great arm, just like Lawrence, just like Lance. And he's got four, four speed. Yeah. Uh, He can run with speed. He can run with power. He's tough. If you watched that, that Clemson game where he cracks his ribs and he still goes out there and and balls. Absolutely. Um, I think I sent this to you. I don't know if you've checked it out yet, but one of my favorite clips uh, when I was studying the prospects 
Fields hands the ball off, and I think it might be Trey Sermon. You know, it's running down the sideline, and Fields books it from the backfield, catches up to the running back and the DB wow. that are that's chasing him, and makes a, a touchdown securing block on yeah. the DB way way down the field, and like that's the kind of leader you want a quarterback. Like he shows me the intangibles. Um, so the knock around him is the, he holds onto the ball too long and they say that maybe he's a slow processor, but he also, he wasn't turning the ball over. So rather than forcing throws, he was holding it. So he takes some sacks, but he's not turning the ball over. So it's kind of a give and take, like, which would you prefer? Yeah. I mean, Uh, look who holds the ball the longest in the NFL. It's Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson. And yeah. they take a lot of sacks, but they make a lot of plays too. Yeah. And they and they're safe with the ball; they don't turn it over as much. So yeah. that's kind of the what you're the give and take of what you're going to get, you know. And so many athletic quarterbacks, when they're coming out, they've been taught in college: if the first read isn't there, run. Yeah, and they have to be taught to stay in the pocket. Look at the second. Look at the third. Okay, <laughs> go through your reads, make the play. I'd much rather tell a guy like. Hey, you, you're six three and two thirty with four four speed. If this guy's not open and this guy's not open, run. Yeah. <clears throat> Rather than trying to teach a guy, hey, you're a quarterback. Stay back there and throw the ball. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm a throw first guy myself. So yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love Justin Fields. Um, one of the rumors that came out about Denver, why I have him here, is that it said they view him as a more athletic Dak Prescott. So the stronger arm and the more speed. And I think that's a really apt uh, comparison. So I'd love to see him in Denver. Um, that's what I'm rooting for. Fingers crossed for this draft. Yeah. But I mean, if I were GM, I'd be taking him at two or three and he wouldn't be here. So, yeah, I'm thinking whoever gets him is it's a steal. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I do have to mention he does have epilepsy. Oh no. So and it's, it's a family thing, like multiple people in his family have it. Um, so the seizure issue could be a concern. It's never impacted him in his career up to this point. And the other members of his family all grew out of it in their 20s and it went away. And so I don't think it's that big a deal, but it's something that came up within the last week or two. Dang, that's that's crazy. I didn't know that. Now my yeah. thought is going to lately when teams get touchdowns, the lights go on and off. <laughs> right. But I mean, he's been playing big time football, you know, high school, college. It's never impacted him. So I don't see it suddenly becoming an issue in the pros unless it were to get worse for some reason. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Let's uh, move on, round off our top 10 with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So this is a spot that's interesting because Dallas really needs a corner. Um couple picks later the um, eagles really need a corner division rivals there's a lot of talk that they both might be trying to trade up into the top 10 to get in front of the other one to get the same guy Um, and with the saints potentially trying to get into the top 10 i think they're targeting the same player as well and i think it's pat sertan from alabama i think he's the, the the top corner in the class i mean there's one guy i think has more upside and i'll get to that a little bit later but um, Sertan's more of the sure thing. Um, he's a press man corner. He's very technically refined. Um, he's excellent at the line of scrimmage. He's got the size and the length to break the passes. Um, the, the knock on him is he doesn't have great deep speed. Um, so he, he tested well at his pro day, but he can get beat over the top um, by faster receivers if he doesn't have safety help. So I think scheme fit will be important. But or I have him going to Dallas. They just took Trayvon Diggs from Bama last year. Yeah. Same system, same type of player, best man. So this is a scheme fit. It's, you know, perfect for where sense. he would go. Yeah. Awesome. Um, comp on him, Namdi Asamoah, if you remember him from the Raiders from not too long ago. That's kind of like, think back to the Champ Bailey era, the okay. Champ and Asamoah and Revis were kind of the top three corners in the league at that time. Yeah. So okay. That's that's kind of where I see him. Nice. Nice. So that's our that's our top 10. Yeah. Um so I think we're a little short on time. We're trying to get this in. Um so we might rush this just a little bit more. Um yeah. hit uh the Giants at 11. At 11. So I've got uh Devontae Smith going in this spot. 
I think <clears throat> the player is fantastic. Uh, just had one of the best college seasons ever for a receiver. The tough part comes when you try to project him to the NFL. Uh, so since 2000, only four receivers have had multiple seasons of at least a thousand yards. It's Deshaun Jackson or the play at 180 pounds or less. Yeah. Deshaun Jackson, Emmanuel Sanders, John Brown, Brian Hartline. That's the entire list. Damn. So if you're taking a guy this high in the draft, you're hoping you're getting multiple thousand yard seasons out of him. There's only been a few guys that have done that at the smaller size. Uh, Smith weighed 166 pounds at his pro day. So he's even smaller than those guys that I just mentioned that play more in the 170s. 166. 166. Wow. So <laughs> that's the concern is, so can he get off a jam at the line of scrimmage against Jalen Ramsey, you know, this big physical corner? Yeah. And if so, once he's caught the ball and he's taking hits, is he going to be able to hold up? Yeah. So this, I think that's the only reason he's not a top 10, because if you just watched him play last year, clearly top 10 caliber you know, talent. Right. So that, that's the thing that makes him maybe slip to 11, maybe makes him slip to 15 to the Patriots if they don't trade up. Um, but if I were to, even though history is not on his side, if I were to place a bet, I would say Smith will end up being a quality NFL receiver. Um, probably doesn't have the upside of Waddle and Chase, you know, some of those guys, but I still think you're getting a really quality player. Cool. Cool. And then we're on to uh, the Eagles. You were talking about a cornerback earlier that you yeah. like a little better. Is that right here? Yeah. So uh, JC Horn is who I have them taking. Again, another son of a former NFL player. Do you remember Joe Horn, the receiver for the Saints? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. Cellphone. Mr. Cellphone. Yeah, this is his son. Plays a very similar kind of style to, to Sertan, where he's that physical press man, you know, wants to get up and get his hands on you at the line of scrimmage. And he's got that just alpha and chirpy, you know, he's, he's going to talk to you. Uh, so I, I think, you know, the Eagles would like to get Sertan, but if not, I think Horn makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Huh. It's funny that you said, uh, now that I'm just putting this together, that, that since that's Joe Horn's kid, you're mm -hmm. talking about the Saints possibly wanting to move up for Patrick Sertan. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'd want to move up for him and keep the, the legacy. Right. Yeah. I cool. could see that as well. So we got a couple kids in here with Sertan and, and Horn. That's crazy. I didn't yep. know that was Horn, Joe Horn's kid. Yep. Cool. Now, uh, in your mock, the Lions have moved back to 13. So we're on the clock here with uh, who you got so this is an interesting one because I absolutely love Micah Parsons as a player. I think he's one of the top five players in the draft, just from a, a talent perspective. Um, he plays a devalued position. It's unlikely that middle linebackers or off ball linebackers go really high in the draft unless you're, you're special. So like in recent years, it was uh, Devin White and Roquan Smith that went in the top 10, but it, it's rare. Uh, I think he's an explosive athlete with great size. He's the best tackler in the draft. He used to be a defensive end. So he's a fantastic pass rusher. Like you can blitz him through the gaps as a linebacker. You can line him up as an edge and have him take tackles. Um, he'd probably be the top edge in this class. If that's the position that you put him in, uh, he gets off blocks. He thumps. He's a big hitter. Um, he has the biggest hands ever recorded by a linebacker at the combine, mm -hmm. which that helps with his tackling. Once he gets his grips on you, he's got you. But then also dropping back into coverage, he can get his hands on balls and make plays on the ball. He's got an amazing athletic profile. Um, he He's raw in coverage. Like he needs to work on his his instincts and he's going to need a lot of growth there, but he's got the, the potential to be very good. Um, but there's two reasons why he's available here at 13. One, the value position that I mentioned. And two, he has a long history of off the field immaturity issues um, there was an incident uh, at Penn State where it was called the, the hazing scandal and he was considered a ringleader uh, there were some really serious and disturbing allegations made um, on how they were hazing some of the young players a lot of it involves like sexual stuff um, he got in a fight with a teammate on another occasion the teammate pulled a knife on him and, uh, and, he, and this goes back to high school he also you know, he's been at suspensions from the teams. And, and so there's a long history of this. 
So uh, he could be a perennial all pro for the next decade, or he could be the next Ruben Foster and be out of the league in a couple of years. Dang. So at that 13, you're not taking as big of a risk as you are in the top 10. And I think listening to Dan Campbell talk, he's that old school football kind of guy that might not care so much about, mm -hmm. you know, hey, my guy's kind of a little bit of a, a head case, but he's an old school hard nose guy. Yeah. So I, I think this could be a potential landing spot. Nice. Hey, I got some some breaking news for us right now. Okay. According to Adam Schefter, Aaron Rodgers has told some within the Packers organization that he does not want to return to the team in 2021. And uh, I had seen a report earlier that the Niners made an offer for him yesterday. Yeah. And it's also some links with the Eagles right now, according to Twitter. So, <laughs> wow. so that might, that might shake some things up. That'd be pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Let's just, <laughs> let's just rip this whole thing up. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, so things like this, they shake up all the time. It's worth yeah. a few hours to draft time, and and this stuff happens. So like I said earlier, just just enjoy. Just embrace everything that Mike's telling us because this, exactly. this is great content, Mike. I appreciate you, man. No problem. You know, and it's, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I mean, I love football season, but I love draft prep as well. And so I've put countless hours reading reports on these guys, watching these guys, making my own mocks and everything. Ultimately, it's going to be futile because teams are going to do different things than what's expected, but it's still fun. And it's good if your team picks one of these guys that we're doing a little bit of deep dive on. Hopefully, you're getting some good information. Yeah. Yeah, you'll sound smart at the water cooler tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so uh, your next two picks are both offensive linemen. The Vikings get in. Yeah. Eli Elijah? Elijah Vera Tucker. So considered the best interior offensive lineman you can play him at center or guard he could maybe play tackle but you're, you're most likely playing him inside um there's been a lot of rumors that the the vikings are pretty locked in on him if they don't move so i have him going there um 15 this is where carolina would have traded back with new england mm -hmm. uh rashawn slater uh tackle from northwestern a lot of people are you said possibly higher on him than yeah. Sewell. Yes. Um, on some teams' boards, he's the number one tackle and Sewell's number two. So he could very easily go in the top 10. There's rumors that if Denver doesn't take a quarterback and doesn't trade back, that they're going to take Slater. Um, if Carolina stays at eight, they could also take Slater. So nice. And then um, now we're on to number 16, Arizona. You said cornerback was deep this year, right? Yes. And we're going cornerback again. How, where is he at? Uh, Caleb Farley compared to. Yeah. to so this, this is an interesting one too, because I think he's the best corner potentially in the draft, but he has more concerns. So he's got a ton of upside. He's super athlete. I mean, he, he recorded himself running like a four, two, seven or something ridiculous. And he's like six, two, two, 15, two, 20. Like he's, he's big and running at that speed. So rare athletic ability, great ball skills. Um, he, he was a, a quarterback in high school. He got recruited to Virginia Tech to play receiver, and he didn't switch over to corner until his 2019 season. Uh, in the 2019 season, he was probably the second best corner in the country between, behind uh, Okuda. So there's a huge uh, potential there, but he, he needs some development as well. The issue is uh, he had a back injury, so he opted out of 2020, so he, he didn't play, and then he's since had a second back surgery just recently in his preparing oh. for the draft. So he's now had two back surgeries, um, so I think he would have been a, a lock for the top 10 and to be the top corner taken, but I think he slips a little bit. So the reports are that he'll be ready for training camp in the regular season. It wasn't a major back procedure, but when you've got a history of this, he also had an ACL injury in college. He's going to be, he's going to be slipping down the draft like, that, slip disc, a little like bit. that disc in his back. huh? Right. Exactly. I've seen some mocks that drop him out of the first round, have him go early in the second. Um, but I also see him going in the team quite often. So I, I think that's probably where he settles because the, the talent on the upside is there and the Cardinals have a big need at the position. So I just think this is a, a good spot. Awesome. Uh, we on where we have Vegas. The Raiders <laughs> at 17. Um, 
another linebacker, and this is kind of a one of those tweener players where he plays linebacker in college, but he's only like 220 pounds, maybe 215. So he, he's more of a safety size. Um, so he can play either, I think, in the NFL, but you're going to have to be careful how you play him if you play him linebacker because he's on the smaller side. He kind of reminds me of Isaiah Simmons from, from last year where he was that, you know, they kind of play him all over the place. So if you get him in the right system, he's super athletic. He's fantastic in coverage. Um, so you can move him around or you could just stick him as a safety, but he's technically a linebacker. Okay. Now we're back to my Dolphins again. Yeah. Dolphins got a lot of picks. Yeah. So I've changed who this was a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good spot for the Dolphins to get an edge. And I have them taking Jalen Phillips from Miami, who I think is the best edge in the draft. Yeah. Before this one, I had him taking Ojulari. Um, I love him. Yeah. So the, the issue with Phillips is, again, uh, injury concerns. He's had multiple concussions. He started out at UCLA. He ended up transferring to Miami. But if you just judge him based off the film and him playing in the scouting report, he's the top edge in the draft. Uh, so I had him slipping a little bit because of the injury stuff. And I had Ojulari in here. But then just recently this week, I read that uh, teams are knocking Ojulari down a little bit because of some concerns with his knee. Oh. And so I thought, well, if you have two prospects that both maybe have some injury concerns, take the better guy. So Jalen Phillips. That's a good call. Uh, Miami has another edge rusher. Or the College of Miami has another edge rusher in this draft as well, right? Rousseau. Yeah. Greg- well, they have three that are going to get drafted. Gregory Rousseau and uh, Quincy Roche. So Rousseau's the one that I've heard really high praises on. Yeah. And so he's an interesting evaluation because when he last played, he was phenomenal. I think he had like 16 or 19 sacks and he's like six, seven, he's got great measurables, but then he didn't play this last season. And then when he showed up to the pro day, his athletic numbers were not what was expected. They were expecting this super explosive guy and he wasn't at all. He tested really poorly. And so is it a matter of he wasn't working during the year off or is he just not the guy that people thought he was probably not that guy. So, okay. Yeah. He, he could still sneak in to the first round. I think he'll go in the second or third somewhere, but there's question marks with him. Cool. Uh, number 19, the Washington football team. Yeah. Still so don't I, have a name, but do they have a draft pick? <laughs> yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if for some reason, like Mac Jones fell that they could go that and sit him behind fits, you know, for a year. This is kind of more of the range I'd be comfortable drafting Mac Jones personally. Uh, but I have him taken Zayvon Collins, a linebacker from Tulsa. He's an interesting player. He's kind of like an Anthony Barr in Minnesota. Yeah. So he's he's a really big linebacker. He's like 260, 270, but he plays more like he's 230. You know, he's got good athleticism. Mm-hmm. One of the weird things about him is that despite being 260, 270, he doesn't play with the kind of strength and dominant physicality that you would expect from a bigger guy, but he is versatile and you can move him around and, and do a lot of things with him. Cool. And we got another, another lineman for Chicago. So yeah, I got Christian Derisau, uh from Virginia tech going there. Uh, bears are kind of hard to project. I think they're, they're going with Andy Dalton. This is another team that I would think would be trying to trade up for quarterback, but I don't know that they can can get there. Yeah. So I think building up the offensive line is a good idea. I feel like the Bears are the just the most non-directional team other than the Texans right now. I don't know right. what their plan is. They they traded all that stuff away for um, the Raiders line. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Yeah. And so he's paid. Um, yeah, it just, it just seems like they don't really have much options and they're just stuck. I think they need to just blow it up. Right, yeah. Out, I, I think a rebuild would be a good idea there. Yeah. Uh, the Colts are at 21. Um, you have Ojolari, who we were just Ojolari talking about. going there. A bit yeah. of knee injury. Yeah. And then um, 22 is the Titans. Who's, who's, who's this here? Yeah, so I was trying to find a good receiver um, combination. They lost Corey Davis, and I think – Pairing someone with um, A.J. Brown would make a lot of sense here. I went with Bateman. I think 
I have him the highest left on my board, but I wouldn't be surprised if they went for one of the, one of the interesting things about this receiver class is there's a lot of the like undersized, but really quick, fast, almost gadget type players. Yeah. You know, you've got Rondell Moore from Purdue. You've got Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. You've got Tadarius, Kadarius Tony from Florida. They're all that kind of like five, nine, five, 10 player. But I went with Bateman because I think he's more of a, a natural Corey Davis replacement. Cool. The Jets, they got a second pick in this uh, first round. They're yeah. going with, let me see if I can say it right. Quitty Pay? Yep. Quitty Pay. Sounds like Michigan. It sounds like what Pootie Tang says Chris Rock's character. Right. Quitty Pay. Exactly. Yep. Edge from Michigan. Um, it, it's a pretty strong edge class here in the first round. I think it, it trails off a bit as the draft goes on. There's not as much depth, but there's a lot of guys that should go in, in this range. And I wouldn't be surprised to see pay as, as the first guy or the second or the third, just yeah. kind of depending on what teams like, but I think him going to New York here is a, a good, good pick. Cool. Yeah. I'd like to get him at Miami. If somehow he drops to the day two or something like that, right. I don't know yeah. if that happen. Um, 24 Pittsburgh, uh, James Conner, he went to Arizona, correct? So they don't have much of a backfield. It's just Benny Snell. Mm-hmm. I yep. see you. I see you have running back here. Yes, uh, Najee Harris. Yeah, I think he's a great fit for this team as well. The way that they like to run, um, you know, he's going to be more of a power back compared to ATN, who's more of the speed guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that makes a lot of sense. They've got good offensive line there, um, but Harris, kind of the way Le'Veon Bell was, in that he's not just a, a great running back, but he's a fantastic receiver. He's very versatile. And so they're going to be able to use him in uh, the short yardage game as their primary bell cow and in the passing game, just three down back. It makes a lot of sense. Cool. Yeah. And it just, it seems like it fits perfectly. Uh, Jacksonville getting another pick. Where'd they get this pick from? Uh, was this it the Rams? I think that was the Rams. Yeah. I think it was when they changed the Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey trade. Yeah. yeah. So I have them taking uh, Christian Barmore. So he's an interior defensive lineman from Bama. Is this the, this is the guy you're talking about that's like pretty much the only defensive lineman that. Yeah. There may not be this. another guy taken until the third or fourth round at, at this spot. Uh-huh. Um, so he's kind of the, the top of the top of the heap. It's a really weak class. So if you want to get, the guy take him here towards the end of the first round that's what the browns need though they don't have it i don't even think they have defensive tackles on their roster right now i really yeah. don't know if they even have one um listed yep. but, um, and, and this is yeah. tough because he goes one pick ahead yeah they're the next pick in the so, draft so yeah. hopefully you think possibly if he's there that's who they could go with yep that, that's kind of the two things that i had written down for the browns is uh first would be if bear if barmore is there i would take him Mm-hmm. Second, I'd be looking at a middle linebacker. So trying to strengthen the the inside of their defense because they've got really good secondary. They've got the edge players, yeah. but the the middle of the defense needs work. Okay. And who do you who's a uh, who's this Jamin Jamin? Yeah, Jamin Davis, linebacker from Kentucky. So he's a similar kind of athlete um, to Micah Parsons. He's big, you know, six three, two thirty. Uh, really fast runs in the high four threes. I think you're at like a four, three, nine. Probably has a lot less issues than. Yes. <laughs> should be a much safer uh, pick uh, as far as that's regarded. So I think this would be a good pick for Cleveland. Cool. Um, another thing I was thinking about for Cleveland, just kind of like fantasizing. You remember when the giants beat the Patriots the first time and they were running a, uh, uh, who was it? Um, OCU Minora. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul and Justin Tuck, I believe all three of them, yeah. and they just sit and they rotate them, and they're just so fresh, and they put pressure all day. I was just kind of hoping maybe they would go with like another edge rusher because to add compliment Clowney and Garrett, just keep them fresh, keep them rotating. Do you think that would be a good idea? Or I that- do. And another thing to to consider, you know, they signed um, Tack McKinley and Javion Clowney in the offseason, but they're both on one year deals. So you can draft a guy, put him in a rotation like that, and then expect him to take over as the long-term guy opposite Miles Garrett. That yeah. would make a ton of sense. Cool. 
Yeah. Uh, we're starting. We're getting down low here. We're getting close getting to the yeah. uh, Baltimore Ravens, Lambo Lamar, man. Not He doesn't have much help. He doesn't have wide receiver help. He doesn't have much line yeah. help. Like, what are they going to do to help him here? Yeah, and there's some rumors out there. We talked about Atlanta having that dreadful cap situation where they're not even going to be able to sign their draft picks unless they make some significant roster moves. Yeah. Uh, that they're potentially shopping Julio Jones as a way to try to get cap relief. Um, the way that his contract is structured is they can't do it now because the cat, the accelerated cap hit. So it would have to be a post June 1st move. The Ravens have been one of the teams that have called and are interested in potentially trying to trade for Julio. Oh, okay. So we'll have to monitor that and see, see what happens. So I didn't go receiver just in case they are in on Julio. Uh, they just traded away one of their tackles. Orlando Brown, they traded to the Chiefs. So I have them getting a replacement here, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Cool. Yeah, definitely needed. Um, now the Saints, you're saying they might trade up, but here they're at 28 and yeah. their their ideal spot is still corner. Yep, I think. Uh, and Greg Newsom is awesome. It would be a great pick for them. Uh, I think they're more interested in uh, Sertan and Horn. That's why they might be trying to move up. But if they can't, I think Newsom makes a lot of sense at 28. Cool. Uh, 29, the Green Bay Packers. We just talked about who knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Like, man, would, would they ever get him some offensive help in the first round? Right. And so that's what I tried to do here. Um, if Rashad Bateman had still been available, I think that would be a good pick here as someone to go opposite uh, Devontae Adams. But I haven't taken Rondell Moore, the receiver from Purdue. Yeah, it's a guy I like a lot. Uh, I think he, he gives you something a lot different than what you have from Devontae Adams. They could use him kind of like they did Randall Cobb, moving him around, playing him in the slot, use him in a variety of different ways. Cool. And then uh, Buffalo Bills, the Bills Mafia. They yeah. definitely, I see you got ETN here. Yes, Travis ETN. Talked a lot about him. He'd yeah. be a great fit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And and the Bills have been trying to get a running back. There's been some buzz that they're trying to even trade up to get one. Uh, I think ATN might be their preference. So if the Steelers did take Najee Harris, I think they might be able to stay put and still get ATN. But you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, get get some help for Josh Allen, and they've got some great receiving options. But I think they can upgrade the the running back room. Cool. Uh, Ravens getting a little more help at 31 here. Yeah. Uh, this is an interesting player. Uh, Jason Owe, age from, uh, edge from Penn State. He's the most athletic edge player in the draft. Like as freakish as Micah Parsons tests out, uh, his teammate at Penn State is even freakier because he's bigger and he's even a little bit faster. Um, part of the issue with evaluating him is he had zero sacks last year which is weird, but he had a ton of pressures. So he was, he was getting there, just not finishing it. But mm-hmm. you look at his tools and his, his potential upside, and I think he'd be a great fit in Baltimore. Okay. And then the, the Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Did, you see, did you see Chris Sims has Justin Fields? Like, yeah, so- which I think is ridiculous. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, him falling to 32, I just I can't conceive that at all so i mean i guess we'll see but i'd be shocked yeah all right uh who's tampa got so i got them going with uh, the best safety in the class and this is similar to what i said before about um, barmore being the only defensive lineman that you would consider high uh, moreg is the only safety that you're really considering this high and so i think they've got the guys on offense coming back they were able to pretty much keep the whole thing together so i think continuing to build on the defense um, they got winfield as a safety last draft and that was fantastic i think you give him a long-term partner for the next you know five ten years yeah awesome so that's our that's our first round man thank you so much for that no <laughs> I, think you, I think you do such a great job i don't want to feed your ego anymore you don't need anymore but i know i don't it's, <laughs> it's already a problem <laughs> um on the spot, going off script. Give me some. Give me some next day players to look for. Some guys that you like to fantasy wise, or mm-hmm. just a good fit for a team. 
Yeah. So I think when you're looking at those first few picks of the second round, so a lot of times you're getting guys that, that could have potentially been first round guys, but maybe slid just a little bit or, or whatever. Uh, I think Javante Williams, the running back from North Carolina has a chance to be the best running back in the draft. Uh, he's right on par with um, Etienne and Najee Harris. So I would, I would look for that. Um, I don't think there's really any quarterbacks I'd be looking for um, in the second round. Kellen Mond. So I like Kellen Mond. I think taking him in the second round would be high. Okay. I think more third, fourth round is where I would target him, but he may move up just because he's probably QB six. So he, he might be the next guy. So someone might try to take him, him early there. Uh, there'd still be some receivers that would be available. You know, I mentioned the, you know, the guy from Florida and um, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. So, and a lot of tackles and, and offensive linemen, I think will go in that second round. Cool, man. Uh, what are you doing for the draft tonight? Uh, I do not know. Yeah. I, I will most likely be on daddy duty. So <laughs> I, if I'm not on a TV, I'll be streaming it on a computer or something and we'll see how it goes. Nice. Well, if you get some time, you can sneak away. We're gonna right. make, we're gonna have some tacos. I was gonna go to some Del Taco probably, and oh, nice. make some some queso dip and mm-hmm. watch the draft. You're welcome to come over, man. Sounds fantastic. So you know, I have to clear it with my higher power. I got you. I I get that. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, We're going to be back next week. We're going to have a follow-up. We're going to do some draft grading, uh, who we think the winners were, the losers were, and just kind of talk about the craziness and the trades and who knows what's going to happen. I mean, we just saw that that Aaron Rodgers thing. I don't know if there's a lot of, a lot of truth to it, but I mean, if if Adam Schefter's reporting in, it's getting breaking news. Like there's got to be, something maybe we'll get a straight up russell wilson for uh aaron Rodgers trade get two people happy out of their places <laughs> but, do uh you think the packers might be interested in teddy bridgewater any chance yeah i mean right? it's worth a try or, <laughs> or tua i mean yeah, right. Tua's young and fresh yeah so. <laughs> all right man well thank you so much and thanks again everyone for listening this has been stabler and friends with mike and stabler Um, stop recording. Oh, there we go.